0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to episode 89. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the third-degree black belt, Rolly Delgado. Roly owns multiple martial arts schools along with being a real estate agent and investor in Little Rock, Arkansas. He talked about how jiu-jitsu teaches you how to handle failure better than any sport. He mentioned the similarity of dealing with undesired outcomes in jiu-jitsu and business experiences. When I asked him about a piece of advice to share with you to help you during your entrepreneurial journey, his answer inspired me to title this episode, Cultivating Patience. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic of cultivating patience. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit wwwjiu tribeorg Let me introduce you to today's guest, Roly Delgado. Roly is a third-degree black belt from GF Team, a former competitor in the UFC and Bellator, as well as a combat wrestling world champion. Rowley owns multiple martial arts schools, along with being a real estate agent and investor. He is passionate about building relationships and creating new projects. Rolly, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for the invite. I'm pumped to be here.
1: Yes, sir. Man, it's been a long time. And when when did I go to Arkansas?
2: 2006, brother. 2006. I, I, I remember it. (laughs)
1: had a great experience i think it was my first time i don't know if it was the first only time but yeah it was a great time and tell us man how martial arts got into your life and eventually how jiu-jitsu show up to your life
2: sure yeah i i always had a um an interest in martial arts uh combat sports like boxing anything like that and i didn't have the opportunity to do it when i was a kid um i my mom didn't really know anybody in the area that we lived. We weren't from there. And uh, we lived in Philadelphia and, and, and we ended up there because um, she was married to a guy there and she got divorced. So we didn't really know people. We didn't have a lot of money. And so I always wanted to do it, but it wasn't an option. And then when I was in high school, uh, the, uh, you know, the UFC started coming on pay-per-view and other, other organizations that didn't make it, like extreme fighting and things of that nature. And when I saw that on TV, I had wrestled for one or two semesters at that point. So when I saw the fights, I, I just thought to myself, "That's it. That's that's what a fight looks like. It doesn't look like like what like like uh, kung fu movies or what's on TV. Like I've wrestled. Like that's kind of what I think a fight would look like." And uh, of course, um, of course, uh, uh, Hoist was winning with jujitsu, and I just started looking for a jiu-jitsu school
1: and how do you feel now jiu-jitsu relates to life
2: the the parallels i think you find in uh, in a lot of different like i think there's a certain truth in uh in life that that go across like a lot of different mediums so we could spend all day talking about jiu-jitsu. One, one of the things that I really like, and I just shared this on Facebook the other day, is that jiu-jitsu really uh, handles failure better than any other sport that I've seen. If you lose a tournament in jiu-jitsu, like, yeah, you're upset you lost, but you know, like, you lost at Pan's okay, well, Worlds is right around the corner. And like, you, you could go do nationals, you could go do another tournament, and you can, you can take that experience that you just, uh, you just had that you, where you lost and you can learn from it. And so jujitsu is really healthy about, about uh, with dealing with failure. And when I look back on a lot of my experiences in business, oftentimes, like in the moment, I'm way too caught up with my immediate satisfaction or dissatisfaction. And down the road, um, I realized, man, if I didn't have that lesson, then I would be making the mistake now. But because I had the lesson before, I'm a better version of myself now. And so rather than seeing life as a destination, I think jiu-jitsu really helps you like that. The, what, what, what's different than that is MMA. Like in MMA, every, every loss feels so fatal. You know, it, it really changes the trajectory of your career. Whereas I don't think that's necessarily like the parallel in life or the parallel in jiu so that's a real that's a good one for me
1: it's a good point point. and handling failure when you look into i i always like to talk with uh, students brand new people that come in and explain about the benefits of of uh, training jiu-jitsu you i mentioned this in a podcast many times and a lot of people go there expecting like yeah to build confidence learning how to defend myself the physical aspect yeah but they don't they don't know much about the mental or the emotional aspect involved especially the emotional aspect that i see that exactly what you said Uh, handling failure and building your emotional resilience levels let's say and this is something that looking at my journey jiu-jitsu too that i i like to say that's probably my my number one benefit that i got from it you know especially being younger and uh, dealing with like okay you're not winning great you know and the the correlation of life that you're not gonna always win or get the outcome that you want in life and you gotta move on and the competition part and i always mention that yeah jiu-jitsu it's incredible tool it's a personal development tool. You don't need competition to get the benefits of jujitsu. However, if you want to amplify the power of this tool, competition is a great way of you like just with the training, you can raise your emotional resilience level. However, with competition, man, you can step it up a lot more in the growth. I always talk with people, I might sound like a broken record for people who have listened to my 89 episodes, but um. Man, when you look back, rolling your career, let's say you never competed, okay? You just trained jujitsu and then you work with real estate and you're happy that you just trained as not your career never competed. Man, you'd be able to be, yeah, you learn how to defend yourself, be confident and so forth, physical stress release. But would you have the same amount of emotional growth that you have in one path or the other one? One with, even if you're not a professional competitor like you, uh, you were, but you know, not competing and competing.
2: Yeah, you know the answer to that. Yeah. And and what, I talk to students about competing a lot as well. We have a very high, we have a large jiu-jitsu program. So we defy the idea that if you're a competition school, then you're not going to be very big. But if you're more of like a self-defense or like hobbyist school, you can you can be bigger. I don't think that's, that's true. Um, I always tell my students, if you don't want to compete, that's okay. You don't have to compete, but you have to be honest with yourself. Why don't you want to compete? And the the reason most people don't want to compete is because they're scared of failing in front of the coach and the teammates. And I have to explain to them, I lose in front of people all the time and I keep competing. So if I can lose, you can lose. And obviously we don't, you know, you're a coach as well. We don't have unrealistic expectations. We just want to see you do your best. And that's a victory in itself to show up, and do your absolute best, knowing that even though you did your best, you might still lose. Because a lot of times in life, people try ninety percent, and then it doesn't work out, and they're like, "Well, maybe if I would have tried harder, I would have won." It takes a lot of confidence and a, and a lot of guts to do your absolute best, knowing you might lose. And so I ask them that question: Why don't you want to compete? And normally, when when you talk to them one on one, you can get that out of them. It, it's, it's it's a lot of stress, but once you break once you break through that, that's where there's a lot of growth. And 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 I'm with you. I think that um, if somebody told me, look, I'm just not a competitive person. I don't, I don't want to compete. It just doesn't interest me. I'm just not a competitive person. I would say, okay, then you don't have to like, for sure. Like that makes sense. Or I'm a hand surgeon. I can't risk getting injured, you know, and losing my livelihood. Like, okay, that makes sense. But if it's an emotional thing that's holding you back, I think we can encourage people to Really grow through competition.
1: Yeah, I'm 100 with you. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue martial arts for living? Say, you know what? I think I'm gonna do this here for a living.
2: uh well, um, it's a it's a long answer. I my long term plan when I was in my early 20s was I was gonna retire by the time I was 40, and then open a gym to kind of supplement my retirement. So this was like 23, 24 year old Roly, You know, that was my mind um well i was training at a, at another gym and the gym offered a lot of different martial arts uh traditional martial arts and so we were only doing jiu jitsu like 3 days a week and i didn't like that i wanted uh i wanted to to train jiu jitsu every day and i didn't have an interest in the traditional martial arts and so um i ended up starting west side mma with matt hamilton uh, so that we would just do the the martial arts that interested me, which was more of the combat martial arts, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling. Um, and so I, when when I started, well, when we started Westside, I was still working full-time in sales. Um, and, and it was more so just to, you know, we were in Little Rock, Arkansas, so there was no gym like the one that I had in my mind um, at the time. So I started the business first, kind of just as a business venture and a passion play Um, and then after the first year of it being open it was successful enough that it could support uh, I had to take a pay cut but I could I could go work full-time so it kind of just flowed naturally from trying to provide uh, a place for me to train to and and so I could get the most out of jujitsu and MMA to uh, you know that kind of becoming successful and then and then being able to support me. So that's kind of how that flowed.
1: And how was the mindset during that transition? Because this is a critical moment to any entrepreneur. Sometimes either when you're leaving your work to go all in or something, or in, in your case, which is, uh, I like that route of slowly kind of going in to, uh, to the new, Venture. So how was the mindset back then? Cause I know it can be tricky. It can be like, man, okay, now it's, it's all on me. So how did you handle that?
2: Um, I, all, the first business I ever did was, was my gym. Um, and honestly, uh, we, we knew we would make it because we didn't have a choice. Um, there was no competition in, in Little Rock as well. So I mortgaged my first house, I I got a a a second mortgage on it uh, to fund the gym and it was like $15,000 and my business partner did this he, he he brought his money in um but I was naive I didn't I didn't know anything I just was <clears throat> I was confident to the point of being naive and so we just did it and and the smartest thing that I did in that process is that I signed a one year lease because I told them I thought we were going to outgrow the space um, and I didn't want to get locked into something that we couldn't get out of. And I paid too much for the lease. I learned a lot in that process. I learned how commercial leases work and when the air conditioning goes out, they expect you to fix it. And, um, it was a great learning experience, but starting that first business, I didn't know enough to be nervous and scared. I just was so aggressive and so naive, uh, and it ended up working out, but that was my mindset. I was, 24
1: 25 years old you know so what are some of the toughest struggles that you experience in your journey let's say yeah and you can we can mention struggles from different areas of, of the business it doesn't have to be necessarily with the gym and so what is your worst entrepreneur experience and what did you learn from it
2: um, I, I'll give one experience worst is a is a tough way to <coughs> To put it, but I uh, I actually opened a pawn shop for a few years. I, I opened one from scratch with a really good friend of mine. Um, he was actually always been kind of like a father figure to me, and he was retiring from his industry, and um, I wanted to do something different, and so I was very interested in the pawn industry. So we started one from scratch. It's still there. It's still a successful business, um, and I did that for a couple of years. And what I learned from that was. I don't need to be involved in a brick and mortar business, you know, coming from the jujitsu lifestyle of, you know, if you've got to do something and you can't make it to class, you just make a phone call. You have another black belt, brown belt, purple belt teacher class and you can go do what you need to do. It's very easy. That flexibility is, is great. When you're in a business that's brick and mortar, you're there from nine to five thirty, 30. And um, it's a lot of, it's just a, a, a huge responsibility and uh, it really limits your ability to travel and live, live the life that I was accustomed to running a gym. So I did that. I really enjoyed the business, but I learned from that lesson. I'm never going to invest or get involved in a restaurant or any, any type of thing that requires me to, to be there.
1: Yeah. And before we start recording, we're talking especially about that, how you mentioned, man, um, sometimes entrepreneurs get involved with projects that they're not passionate and they end up, you know, or they're regretting, or they're like, Man, I could be investing my time in something else. And I'm the same way if they're not in alignment with my values and what I believe. I'm like, Man, I choose not to be involved with. So, what do you have for suggestions for the entrepreneurs out there that maybe they're not happy or they? with their work. They want to do something else, but they're so desperate to do something else, they're not even considering like, do I really like this? It's just like, well, that sounds like a great idea, and I can make some money. So what do you have to share with them?
2: The 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 I, I could say a couple things, and and I'm just gonna sound like a cliche. The and, and and I know you'll agree with me on this. One of the most important things when people are 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 trying to make their first move or make any move is patience. Like slow down, slow down. It doesn't have to be done right now. You feel that, that urge, that sensation to go, 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 go. You've got to slow down and, and, and really like let something mature. Let's let, let a thought like, you know, that when you have an idea that that first day, that first week, you know, you're so passionate about it and you're so pumped, but then like two weeks later, three weeks later, you're still interested, but you've come down a bit. You need to make decisions when you've come down a little bit. You don't need to make decisions when you're um, when you're just like fired up about it because you can't think clearly because you're emotional. the 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 way the brain works is all that dopamine it gets released in anticipation, not when you get what you want. Right? Like you've won some big tournaments in your in your career. It's the anticipation of winning it that gets you going. And then once you've won it, the medal sits in a drawer. You know, or it hangs on a wall. You don't look at it. You just walk past it every day. So um, I would say patience would be the first thing. The second thing for the young entrepreneurs is maybe you've been saving money and you're waiting for your opportunity, you know, and this is the first time you've had 15000 20000 $50,000, you know, and you've got this money and you've been doing the right things. And that's great. That's a lot of money to anybody but it's not that much money. What you think's a lot of money when you're 22 is a couple months of work when you're 32, you know? And so relax, slow down, keep saving money. You're doing good things, but the perspective on what's a lot of money is, is gonna change for you. So patience, and I, I, I talk about the money thing because um, when I look back on my emotions and decisions over the past, like say 10 years, I can see like how how that's that's a personal experience of mine with money and then also with patience. Um, <clears throat> I needed to have more patience so many times in my life. So those those are the two pieces of advice I would give entrepreneurs.
1: And it's interesting about this money perspective because the same way we're recording this in two thousand twenty, so I'll be forty six years old this this year. And then when I look back to how your opinion, let's say your beliefs about money, they start to evolve and things that maybe, like you said, we cared and the when you're 20 or something right now, it's like, eh, do I really need that? You know? Um, and now it, I just, for me, this is just for me, I, I do think a, a lot about the fact that when I die and. I'm, I ain't taking all that stuff with me, (laughs) you know what I mean? And all the houses say, this is my house. Okay, one day someone else is going to live there, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're not going to take that with you. And that's why I take that in consideration to be involved with only things that I want. Of course, it takes time for you to get to the point that you can choose i mean during the journey you're going to end up doing things that i'm like "Eh, i didn't want to do this job but you have you got to do what you got to do but eventually i was able to get to a point that now i only work with what i want or who i want and they're like oh i have to do this or i have to work with that person of course there is a uh, price to pay and i don't take I think I never did that much, but now I do even less. Take consider of course we're business people gotta take consideration of money, but not as much as maybe I thought when I was younger. You know, it's just projects that I start is just I'm always I think a lot of the entrepreneurs have the that kind of trouble with the- a little bit of the ADD kicking in. You wanna we have you know a thousand of ideas and you wanna execute all of them and that's how we end up with a bunch of stuff in your plate. But I try to um, just get involved. Really, like, man, I think it would be a cool idea. Let's do it. And then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. or, or we're not. And like the podcast, that doesn't mean bring me any money. I mean, I'm, I I never even ask for a sponsor or whatever. Just I thought it would be cool. Let me just do one, and then I get a lot of. Uh, I learn a lot from all the guests. I. Bring awareness to the nonprofit organization I co-founded, so I've been able to get a lot of donors because of that. So that was actually one of the reasons why I started the podcast to give me a platform to promote more the nonprofit. But for everyone out there, man, and what Roland's saying about being passionate—just be careful getting involved with a business that you really care that much, because when things get rough and at some point, they will. Um, I think your passion is going to really carry through you know, the the rough times so you can keep pushing through because you believe in whatever you're doing.
2: Yeah, 100%. That, the, the times will get tough. And uh, I know I opened one of my gyms, and I had all these high expectations for it. And, uh, and 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 sometimes it would seem like we were just on the cusp of taking off, and then we would level out and it was like one month you lose a little one month you make a little one month you lose a little oh, we made a lot here it comes back to breaking even and i was talking to one of my mentors about it and he said something really simply and if i would have read it i would just read it but because it came from him he said he just said nothing's easy and it just stuck with me cuz he's right man nothing is easy you know like If if, just moving, move your apartment from one apartment to another, from one house to another, there's just going to be a ton of added expenses that you didn't expect. You're going to scrape the walls, you're going to damage a piece of furniture, you're going to lose stuff, you're going to need to replace things, and you think all you're doing is moving furniture. There's always more to it than you think, and nothing's easy. And so you kind of have to have that mentality. going into something. Like I said, when you go into it and you're emotional about it, you're fired up, you're not thinking clearly, you need to have patience and really make sure that you're ready for the commitment that you're about to take on.
1: Right on. So what did you say is a one habit that you have that you practice daily in your life that helps you with business, jiu personal life? What is one habit?
2: One habit that I practice daily, um, Man, I I get up pretty early, and I drink my coffee, and I let myself come into the day. I don't wake up late and like start with stress, like oh man, I got to get my kid to school, um, or like I'm I'm I've got to do this podcast, like I've got to hurry up and make sure everything's right. I get up. Early. Everybody has a time that they need to get up. We I, I teach later at night, so i obviously I can't be up at four in the morning and teach, you know, a, a late class at night, like. So, but I always get up early, I always make my coffee, and i'll uh I'll get on my phone, I'll read a little bit what whatever I need to do, but I just like nobody's bothering me early in the morning, and it lets me just kind of like plan my day out and and organize my thoughts and I think that that helps with my mental health and keep my keeping my stress down, just not being because like i said i'm I have so little time now. You know, like like you know I have an 11-year-old son. Um I've got multiple rental properties. I'm a real estate agent. You know, I'm involved in a few different gyms. There's and then of course family responsibilities like today my grandfather and my father are coming to town. So that's adding like taking a lot of my time and and my schedule and so um that stress of just being busy all the time is bad. And, and, and I don't think evolutionarily, we're, and from an evolutionary standpoint, we're not really ready for that, that this, this post-industrial revolution lifestyle that we have now. And so I like to start my day off a little calmer because it's going to get hectic <laughs> during the day. So that, that's a habit that works for me, Simple.
1: And what would you say is the best piece of advice that I've ever received in any area? Could it be martial arts, life, business? What comes to your mind,
2: man? I don't know that anybody ever gave me the advice, but I try to treat every relationship for the long term if I don't ever want someone to think that I'm taking advantage of them in a business or relationship standpoint. and um, I think you can you can tell a lot about somebody when when especially let's say you're going to go into business with somebody, somebody has an idea and they come to you, you know, get to know that person and see who's around them. And if everybody that's around them, they haven't known very long, that's a red flag. You know, I, I, a lot of my, a lot of my happiness comes from my relationships with people. And so if we're going into business together, I try to be very clear with my goals and try to try to handle myself in a way that I don't want ever want someone to think that, i'm trying to take advantage of them like i want to collaborate i want you to win and i want i want to win as well um and if i win and you lose then the deal's done like maybe i won but we can't we can't work together in perpetuity um so i think just approaching kind of there's times you're going to have to cut ties and lose relationships but i think you should put the relationship first with good communication with people and then you can make money together i You know, me and my business partner, Matt Hamilton, you know, we've had fights and arguments so many times because I'm super aggressive and he's a lot more laid back. And so our vision doesn't always, it doesn't always sync up. But um, with me and him in 13 years, we've never had an argument over money. You know, like we've all, like our relationship, the, the foundation of the relationship is actually very strong, even though, you know we have different passions and we have different, um, even, even to a certain degree, I think we might even have different visions, but the, the relationship itself, that's very strong. And I think without that foundation, some of those problems where maybe you see a different vision, they become nuclear problems. So, um, be careful who you put your time into, but then when you decide to put your time into somebody, I think you really need to I think life is, you know, life is short. Like I want to, I want to have good relationships with everybody that I deal with. And, and that's, and I'm not talking about Facebook friends and online. You can only, there's only so much time. So the people that are around you really put the relationship first. And I think that when the good opportunities arise, they're going to fall into your lap because you will have a reputation for being consistent, considerate, you know, and, and that, that's. I don't know if anybody ever gave me that advice, but I think that that's served me
3: well.
1: Yeah, it's developing that win-win mindset, you know, that I think it's so crucial when you go into a partnership because at the moment that someone is in a way getting a little more or, or not, or, it's, or sometimes if someone already has that intention, you know, they go into some type of negotiation like that, It can be tricky, you know? So I think that win-win mindset, that's something that I do my best to keep in mind. I think it's huge because especially if you do have a business partner, if you don't have this mindset, dude, it's just a matter of time that you're going to have some trouble with that.
2: It becomes adversarial. Um, So so one thing that I, I would, since people that are listening to this podcast, um, probably are like you mentioned. They have uh, a, a bit of business acumen, or their their goals are to get into business. Be very, very careful about this dynamic because this here's a, I'm going to explain a dynamic that that often ends in failure. You have an idea. You're going to be one of two people in a lot of business partnerships. You're the uh, you're the talent, or you have an idea, and the other guy brings the money, and you come together and you make the business, right? that dynamic is very difficult because you're everybody's excited 6 months, 1 year, things everything nothing's easy, right? So when it gets difficult, the guy in the business that's that's bringing the talent or doing the work, he starts to resent the money guy because he's not there every day and he starts to forget that he needed that money in the beginning. And the guy that's putting the money in, he starts to resent the guy that's doing the work because he's not doing everything perfect. He's making some mistakes that the the numbers aren't exactly what both have planned for because nothing's easy. Um, And that dynamic there, uh, I see a lot of people, their first business works that way because what comes first, the chicken or the egg, what comes first is the idea. Then comes the money. Right. And so you have the idea before you have the money when you're in your twenties and that dynamic you really need to plan for, uh, You need to plan for a realistic salary for the person who's providing the work and realistic expectations on their involvement in the business. I've seen people um, be the person with the idea and then they try to hire people to do so much of the work that they're they're drawing a salary for nothing, you know? And it's like, no, 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 you know, like like those types of dynamics are very dangerous. I've seen it happen um, mostly. I've seen it happen in, in friends of mine's businesses. I haven't had that situation yet, but um, but it, that's a very common dynamic. so I, I would I would caution people to really look at you know how is this gonna play out if things aren't going as smooth as we thought and um, really spelling out like how much involvement is this person? Is this person going to be a manager of this business? or are they actually going to be doing the business because you can have way too much payroll? if the person's trying to hire other people to do most of the work but still draw a salary if that makes sense
1: oh absolutely and man as you're describing uh, i believe in as, uh, exactly the same thing you did and just plays a move just how many stories of even friends or that i've seen that happen so many people and sometimes it's a scenario that Oh, this friend of mine—he has all kinds of business. I'm like, okay, so he's gonna dump some money, so he's expecting something. So he's just an investor per se, you know. So uh, sometimes people like show me some numbers. We put some numbers down. like, yeah, we're gonna do this. And as far as jujitsu school, and I don't give my two cents in anything else. And I'm like, dude, uh, this doesn't look realistic, though. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, I had someone. Sit down and talk with me they Show me their business plan. I'm like, man, the, these numbers I've never seen. You know, or like that. You think that in three months this is gonna happen? I just personally never seen. Um, this can lead to some trouble. Uh, to some trouble. And it was good that they they reevaluated. But sometimes there's you know the people that I ask like, hey, are they just investing and in stepping out, or are they investing in doing? They're gonna be collaborating on something you know and when you have the partnership the concept of the visionary and the integrator is super important someone that sometimes brings more the 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 vision, the idea and and all that stuff and someone else that it's a little more process kind of specialist in a way the integrator they're going to be able to put everything together the spreadsheets and all the kind of stuff and having that balance it's great sometimes tough to have two visionaries together You know, someone needs to be more, a little bit more towards the the integrator. But you're absolutely right, man. This uh, down the road, there is a really good chance that it's gonna go south, and I've seen it too. I've seen a um, a few stories that come to my mind right away in jujitsu.
2: So there's two times it's gonna fail, right? This is the other thing to 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 warn people of. Um, one, it's going to fail when times get tough because then your emotions get involved and, and people go their separate ways. The visionary loses all their time and uh, the financial guy loses his money. The person who normally gets hurt the worst is the financial guy because the visionary then somehow leverages that into a different business. And um, But it also is a dangerous time when things get good. You know, I'm the one, if I'm the visionary i'm doing all the work and you put the money in and, it, and now there's a lot of money and i'm i don't see you every day but i'm cutting you these big checks and i resent it because i think i'm doing so much that i should be giving myself more um so it's not when times are tough sometimes it's easier to stay together and then when times are really good uh sometimes that's when uh things go bad so uh there's True. a lot of people don't realize that like a lot of the troubles come when, when 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 the money starts coming in
1: so what advice would you give to the younger roly when you when you actually open the gym said okay i'm open you said like the the young 23 24 uh, naive entrepreneur that's just like all right, let's do it so not that you want anything different because it's all part of your journey but looking back and then say like man something that I wish I knew better, but you didn't. So what advice would you give to him?
2: Um, If you're starting a business, this this is a great question. And I think that I have a very valuable answer. If you're starting a business, whatever business it is, making coffee, a coffee shop, jujitsu, MMA, I don't know, a bakery, anything. You're starting that business. You care more about it than your customers do. So pay attention to your marketing, to who you want, because there's not enough people like you to make a business, right? When I started uh, the MMA gym, I wanted to bring in a kickboxer from Thailand. I would love to have had a a jujitsu black belt from Brazil, right? But the the average customer doesn't care where the kickboxing coach is from. It doesn't care how many titles the, the coach has, right? But you don't know that when you're, 20 something years old and you're, you're, you know, you're trying to be the best uh, martial artist you can be. So under, I guess to put it, to, to put it a little more clearly, really understand your market because it's not you, you are not your market. You're the, you're the one in a thousand that's willing to actually open a business about it. You're the 1%. You are not the market, understand your market and understand what your market really wants. And you'll be in a better position to, um, to deliver, you know, to, to, to To make more money because you're gonna understand your market better,
1: yeah, this is a great um, great advice let's say I talked with this with so many of my friends, the sometimes people i I feel that now it's been getting better. people are starting to open their minds, but a lot of times the people that come from um, let's say from Brazil, but they have their titles and they think that because they have their titles, they should have a lot of students. And I talk with, I had this conversation with so many people, like some of my friends, Vitor Shaolin or Hobson. Moore And then Shaolin said like, dude, they don't know who I am. They don't know. They barely know what jiu-jitsu is. They don't know what IBJJF is, like a three-time work. They don't know. You know, it doesn't matter, and that's the same thing here in Arizona. They don't know about me. It's just, yep, this guy Gustavo. That's about it, you know. And I think people do get the illusion that if I get these many titles, and this helps with the credibility. So, absolutely, of course, it does. But is it the deal breaker Uh, for most? Like you said, for the most of the market, absolutely not
2: a hundred percent i was I had a guy approach me he wanted to put a a, a smoothie bar cold pressed cold pressed drinks um, and he was talking about it, and like the nutrients are different because you're not heating up the 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 vegetables or the fruits and all this stuff and man, like okay, like you're you're really passionate about this, but nobody cares mm-hmm. you know, as far as the market's concerned, nobody cares they're gonna buy a, a a drink from the gas station that says fruit juice. And when you read the label, it's like 40% fruit juice. And they're selling more of that than you're going to sell this extremely expensive uh, process to make a $4 orange juice. It's just nobody cares. And, um, and I've actually seen some of those businesses pop up and close down very quickly. You
1: know? Yeah. So do you have the habit of consuming content like with a book or audiobook? podcasts or videos? Do you consume content?
2: No, no, I, 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 uh, I I prefer, I, I think those are great mediums. I don't have a lot of long commutes to listen to podcasts. My thing is I'm a, I'm a huge networker. I'm always trying to have conversations with, with people that are in business. I am very skeptical. You've been in the gym business. Okay. What do you think about most of these? Uh, and I'm saying most, cause there's some really good ones adding value. I'm not, I'm not throwing the whole industry under the bus, but what do you think about all of these marketing coaches for gyms?
1: Oh yeah, it's, absolutely. You know,
2: like sign 30, 40 people up a month, get out of here. You're not going to get 30 or 40 new members every single month. If you could do that, you would just open 10 gyms with your systems. You know, I mean, I've had months where I've signed up over 40 members. I mean, I, I've had those months but um, you know, they make it sound so easy. You just run these ads and you get these people and 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 being in the business, and I remember when everybody was doing like, um, uh, when, when they were, there was a guy doing a lot of um, consulting and marketing and it was very expensive and the whole industry was going to this guy. And I would talk to people that were going to this guy and doing the seminars to say, what do you, would you learn? And the guy was using a lot of Dan Kennedy stuff. So I was reading the Dan Kennedy books myself. And when I would talk to these gym owners that were spending thousands of dollars to be a part of this circuit, my gym was more successful than every person that was that I talked to. Every single one of them, my gym was more successful than than theirs was. And so I'm very skeptical of 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 free content because I think it it can give you the wrong energy, the wrong idea, um, get you all worked up and you know in a frizzy, and then you're spending money and you're 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 jumping into something, um, I would rather talk to people that I meet personally and they don't have an agenda. They don't have anything to win. They're not in my industry. They're in the real estate business or they, um, one of my mentors is in the DVD distribution business. Man, he has, he's so successful, DVD distribution. You know, he's still making money. You think DVDs are dead, it's dying. Mm-hmm. but going to small town America where they don't have good internet and it's all satellite internet and they still have family videos all over small town rural America. So anyways, my, I'm kind of getting off topic. My point is I really like to talk to successful business owners, like having like, that's why I like podcasts because me and you are talking and you're not selling me anything and, and I'm not selling you anything and we're sharing ideas and you might say something that really resonates with me and makes me see something from a different perspective. Whereas when I'm, listening to uh, an industry specific person, they'll, I I start getting excited. And then I think you might relate to this. You start feeling guilty because you're not doing everything these people are doing and they're talking about it and you start feeling anxiety that you're not doing enough and you're not working smart enough. And I've just been in that negative loop too many times. And then you find out sometimes that that person they're misrepresenting themselves because this is a small industry and everybody knows everybody and you can say you're signing up this many people but i know people that train at that gym and there's not that the, you know the numbers don't add up you know so anyways long story short um i'm, I'm a little skeptical and i love i love to spend my time just one on one with other business people when i can
1: yeah and i mean when you look into those consulting agencies and so forth the truth is i think in every area um uh, every arena in business. You're going to have good and not so good professionals. People that should be in business, should not. Some people, there's some good chiropractors can really help you. There's some can really mess you up. Jiu-Jitsu, there's people should be in business. People got no business in being in business. And you can have agencies or consulting that can really help the information and make a difference. So I, I guess it's just whatever works for each one. you take the good and if that good, it's making an impact in your business. Great, but I understand I understand where you're coming from. and I do i I do have a lot of people that say the same thing. man, I like uh, to do exactly what you said, just network. It's a great way for me to learn and and I agree the podcast for me, uh, this being the number eighty nine. Uh, man, I learned so much. As a matter of fact, um, especially for people who are listening for the first time, every time I bring a new guest or someone that you know follows your work and they want to hear what you have to say, so they might be listening for the first time. So what I do after the interview, I reflect on what was said and then I create an audio from like five to twelve minutes, something to inspire and impact and improve your life in some way, something that can help your entrepreneur your journey or. Um, anything in your life. So with that said, if you think about it, for even all the listeners who are listening, so we have so far 89 episodes. So if you think 89, you're talking with 89 people that they're going to share with you, know, with you the struggles or uh, their success, their habits, uh, you know, experience, and then after that, you're gonna write a content about your main takeaway. You're gonna research about a topic and share. Would you be able to learn something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of information. So I'm, I'm very grateful on, on that end that I, I, the podcast is going, may would be two years, so I haven't missed a weekend yet, but there's so much that I learned. The one little thing I was like, nice. Never thought about that. And then, or sometimes mention something that I want to research a little more, and has been great. So f- for all the listeners, just make sure you stick around for my final thoughts right after the interview. And so, tell me what's exciting, what's going on. We just start in two thousand twenty. Big plans for this year.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, for for me right now. Um, I, 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 kind of spread myself a little thin in a few different directions. You know, I'm in the fitness kickboxing, uh, business. I've got a couple gyms there. Um, but we just opened our, uh, so we have Westside MMA. We just opened Westside BJJ, which is just jujitsu. And it's on the, uh, it's 20 minutes away. It's in a growing part of town. <clears throat> Obviously I'm much I'm more passionate about jujitsu than I am fitness. Right. Because I think jujitsu is unique where, as we spoke earlier in the podcast, it will help you break a lot of barriers emotionally and mentally. Um, and it's also a great fitness um, uh, uh, routine. And then uh, and on top of that, it, you, you know, you have the strongest community you can find, an ab- absolutely strong community. So um, this year we opened the jujitsu. Well, last year we opened the gym, but we're, we're going into this year. It's already um, profitable. And so I'm I'm starting to, so I got uh I, I got a lot of breadth in my in my portfolio right now. You know I've got the 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 real estate, a little bit of investing, and then um, the kickboxing and the jiu jitsu and the MMA. You know we have two fighters in the UFC right now at a Little Rock, so we've got all this stuff going on, and I'm starting to reduce the breadth and starting to 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 get more depth in my passionate things just like we spoke earlier. So that's what's happening in 2020 for me. Um, I'm gonna focus on jujitsu and I'm gonna focus on continuing to build my capital to increase, uh, I wanna be a little more cash rich. And so I'm looking at doing less um, businesses that that require a lot of personal maintenance. And I wanna get more involved in jujitsu and real estate. Because real estate's about the property. It's about the numbers. And I don't have to deal with um, personalities and visions. You know, you do the deal, you don't do the deal. The deal goes well, the deal goes bad. Either way, the deal is the deal. When you open a business and you sign a lease, you're in that thing for the long haul. Exit strategies can be very tricky. So for me, 2020 is about recentering myself and my passion. And um, and a lot of that's gonna be jujitsu. And I've been kind of going that direction recently. And then I'm also gonna continue um, I'm, I'm trying to monetize jujitsu to the best of my ability and then use that capital for uh, real estate uh, ventures rather than different businesses. That's my focus for 2020.
1: Right on, man. Thank you so much, Roland. has been a great interview. It's great to catch up with you. It's been a yeah. while. So it's uh, great to have this chance to connect with you. Appreciate it,
2: man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I enjoyed getting to talk and, Having the Zoom open and just getting to see you, man. Uh, uh, I'm happy to hear you're doing well, and I like what you're doing with the. Uh, um, I don't know if you're still doing it, but the mental coach, the mental BJJ coach thing. It's a fantastic thing. It's something I I, I spend a lot of time um, focusing on. So when I saw you doing that, I thought, man, that it, just so many people are missing out on 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 that. And and I feel I it may be the same for you, but. I, I when I look back on my career, I wish I would have had somebody speaking to me about the mental game. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just figured that out on my own and a lot of books and um some YouTube lectures and things of that nature. But when I saw you doing that, I thought that's that's right on point. So anybody that's listening, that's interested in that, I think that they should reach out to you about that because um that's a very that that's everything. We're all doing the same arm bar, mm-hmm. you know. But that's everything so i just want to give you some credit for that because you're the first person i saw really niche really hone in on that for jiu jitsu
1: right on thank you so much and for all the listeners stick around for my final thoughts let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the third degree black belt roly delgado if you're listening just to the final thoughts on instagram at gustavo dantas bjj Rowley owns multiple martial arts schools along with being a real estate agent and investor in Little Rock, Arkansas. He talked about how jiu-jitsu teaches you how to handle failure better than any sport. He mentioned the similarity of dealing with undesired outcomes in jiu-jitsu and business experiences. At first, you might be disappointed because you didn't get your immediate satisfaction. Still, later on, you realize that if you didn't have the chance to go through this experience... You don't have learned a valuable lesson that can serve you in the present and the future. I'm not sure what was your takeaway from the interview, but mine was when I asked him about a piece of advice to share with you to help you during your entrepreneurial journey. His answer was patience, which inspired me to title this episode Cultivating Patience. One of my favorite motivational speakers is Les Brown. If you've never heard of him, look him up on YouTube. There are a lot of free content online. I had the pleasure to watch him speaking live once and it was awesome. Here's a quick bio of him that I found online. Quote, Les Brown was born in an abandoned building with his twin brother Wesley in a low-income section of Miami known as Liberty City. His mother gave them both up after birth and was adopted by a 38-year-old woman who was a cafeteria attendant. At five years old, he was labeled educable mentally retarded, held back a grade, and referred as the dumb twin by his teachers. After a difficult 16 years, Les' life changed when a high school teacher told him something that would alter the course of his life forever. He told the teacher, ''Sorry, I can't do that. I'm educable mentally retarded.'' The teacher got up from his desk and said, ''Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality.'' While this moment changed his life, he still struggled both financially and professionally for years. But with an unending desire to succeed and impatience, Les Brown finally broke through when he was given a chance to go on air as a local DJ. Once the world heard his voice and his message, his growth was exponential. Les went on to host his own TV show, serve in the Ohio House of Representatives, published several books, and became an internationally recognized speaker." Unquote. During the interview, Roly talked about life not being easy, learning from experiences, and patience. If you're listening to the final thoughts for the first time, sometimes I like to add audio from interviews, lectures, or seminars from people who can help to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. I want to share with you a six-minute audio of Les Brown talking about the same topic and sharing the Chinese bamboo story, which is a great metaphor for patience in life. Check it out.
3: Life is hard. See, it's hard when when you are 49 years old, been working on a job for 17 years, and they come in and tell you, you're finished and give you one week severance pay. And you gotta start all over again. It's hard when you are married and raising children and your children are crawling and your husband dies unexpectedly. It's hard handling just the tragedies of life. It's hard when you're working on something and and you put everything you have in it and it doesn't work out, you lose your money and other people's money. It's hard. It was rough when I lost my job and I could not find a job. It was humiliating and embarrassing borrowing money and then I couldn't pay the money back when I told them I would. That's rough, how people look at you, how they respond to you, it's very hard. It's humiliating. Here's what I discovered that happens to you in life, that you will go through things and while you're going through them, you can't understand why it's happening to you. But after you go through it you get back and you look at it and you say, oh, now I understand why I needed that lesson. Have you ever happened to you? Raise your hand, has it ever happened to you? that that I did I couldn't understand it there but after I got through it then I saw that that was preparing me for bigger and better things as you go through the challenges of life and you look at it and embrace whatever comes to you don't run from it step toward it don't try and duck it like most people do see most people want it easy See, easy come easy what easy go see but when you Go at what you're going to deal with, and you deal with the difficulties of it. When you handle those hard things close at hand, making those hard decisions right now that you don't wanna make, learning those things that you don't like to do, but you know that in order for you to get where you wanna go, this is one of the hoops that you have to flip through. And I'm saying to you, whatever you gotta do, do it, because if you don't, Life is going to whoop you until you surrender and say, okay, all right. All right. All right. All right. I cooperate. Okay. I learned. Okay. They had to wear me out a long time. So if it's hard, then do it hard. Now you, how do you hang in there during the hard, difficult times? lest you must have faith. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your abilities. You've got to believe in your service, your company, your ideas unquestionably you got to have faith and that faith gives you patience that is not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen a lot of things are gonna happen that will catch you off guard and so therefore you've got to deal with and handle it as it comes and not only that but that faith and patience drives you into action you got to keep moving and keep plugging away In the Far East, they have something that's called the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. They have to water and fertilize the ground where it is every day. And it doesn't break through the ground until the fifth year. But once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks, it grows 90 feet tall. Now the question is, does it grow 90 feet tall in five weeks or five years? The answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years because at any time, had that person stopped watering and nurturing and fertilizing that dream, that bamboo tree would have died in the ground. And I can see people coming out, talking to a guy, out there watering and fertilizing the ground that's not showing anything. Hey, what you doing? You've been out here a long time, man. And the conversation in the neighborhood is, you growing a Chinese bamboo tree. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, even Ray Charles and Stephen Wonder can see it. ain't nothing showing. You know that's how people are going to do you. So how long have you been working on this? How long have you been working on your It's Good and you have nothing to show, this is all you got to show? People gonna do that to you. And some people, ladies and gentlemen, they stop because they don't see instant results. It doesn't happen quickly. They stop, oh no, 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 no. You got to keep on watering your dream. And when it began to happen, they stopped laughing. They said, look, whoa, look look here, it's, look out. Hey man, you know, I know you could do it. Look here, you got a job here. See, t- during those hard times we didn't know how you're gonna make payroll during those times when you fail and, and and things didn't work out they were there were nowhere to be found But you know what I discovered when you're working at your dream somebody said the heart of the battle the sweet of the victory oh it's sweet to you it's good to you why see when you when it's hard and there's a struggle see what you become in the process is more important than the dream that's far more important the kind of person you become, the character that you build, the courage that you develop, the faith that you're manifesting. Oh, it's, it's, it's something that you get up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror, you're a different kind of person. You walk with a different kind of spirit. People know that you know what life is, that you have embraced life. You know it was hard, but you did it hard.
1: I hope you enjoyed the audio and possibly reflected on the Chinese bamboo story. When you think about the story, in what phase are you in your life? I hope you're in the phase that your tree grew tall and pretty and you feel accomplished that you achieved the goal that you had to stay focused, disciplined, and patient for a long time. Now, if you have been watering your tree for a while and your goal and dream hasn't happened yet, stay patient. If you genuinely believe that you're working hard to the best of your abilities, you know that you're paying the price, be patient and stick with it because your time will come. To wrap up, I'd like to share with you a quote from John Burroughs. Quote, For anything worth having, one must pay the price. And the price is always work, patience, love, self-sacrifice, no paper currency, no promises to pay, but the gold of real service, unquote, owes. Oh,